0: I truly believe that we as humans have the capacity to live in harmony with nature and one another. I truly believe that we have the capacity to live indivisibly. It is my belief that the true leverage point for living indivisibly is in the recognition that our current social, political, and economic systems are intrinsically designed to produce the perpetual dysfunction that we continue to experience because they are rooted in power over ideals, beliefs, norms. It is also in a recognition that there is no one to blame. Power over systems were designed and integrated into society approximately 10,000 years ago based on the communication, problem-solving, and governance tools that had evolved up to that point in time. Just like they had no way to drive cars back then because the skill and know-how had not evolved yet, they also had no better way to manage population growth and the perceived scarcity of resources because the skill and know-how had not evolved yet. That is no longer the case. We currently live during an era where many people possess the necessary skills to live indivisibly, and there is an abundance of resources available to help more people obtain them. However, by no fault of their own, most people are still mentally trapped within the power-over-systems paradigm. In the fifth discipline, Peter Senge states, Structures of which we are unaware hold us prisoner. Once we can see them and name them, they no longer have the same hold on us. It is my hope and belief that as more people learn to see and name the inherent oppressions within power over systems and the ways that we all perpetuate them, they will begin to intentionally make changes in their lives in an effort to organize and live in ways that inherently produce equity, sustainability, freedom, and And unconditional love for themselves, the environment, and other human beings. Welcome to Theory of Indivisibility, solutions focused evolutionary analysis of our social, economic, and political systems delivered to you in short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Dr. Soon Jada
1: see light in the right direction, new thought, live every section of the mind. But what is it? Signals given to you by the program. You don't even respond. checking
0: the What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so happy to be with you once again, and I'm so happy that you're all here. During season one of Theory of Indivisibility, we are exploring the evolutionary origins, current complexities, and how my theory of indivisibility applies to the following social systems. Power Over, Patriarchy, Religion, Ownership, Capitalism, Democracy, Racism, and Education. The show is available on Apple Podcasts and everywhere you listen to podcasts, so don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss a new release. And if you like what you've heard thus far, please leave a rating and review. It helps to attract more listeners to the show. I'd also like to invite you to join us in our Facebook group, Live Indivisible Community Dialogue. Now, I changed. I changed the name. It used to be the name of the podcast, which is Theory of Indivisibility Community Dialogue. But I switched it to Live Indivisible Community Dialogue. So, make sure you search for that and join a the dialogue there. Shout out to my newest patron, Lord. Lord, thank you very much for being a supporter of this show. I really, really appreciate it. I don't want to bombard you all with advertisements, so patronage is an alternative. If you get value from listening and you'd like to support, please visit patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. Before the show intro, you finally got a chance to hear my theory of indivisibility. I've been teasing it and talking about it for the previous episodes, and I'm glad that I finally got a chance to share it with you. Now, my theory is iterative, meaning it's still developing. This show is a part of my theory. Uh, The dialogue that I anticipate will continue to uh, happen from you listeners providing feedback and going back and forth will help to hone it. And I hope that it will get um, more, I guess, crystallized and more um, streamlined over time. I also want you all to know that it is my mission to spend my life creating systems and tools to aid in the effort of creating social, economic, and political systems that produce equity, sustainability, freedom, and love. That's the root of my theory. This podcast is one of those tools designed to do just that. Learning the evolutionary origins and current complexities of power over systems allows us to see them, name them, and stop playing the blame game that perpetuates divisiveness. It is also my hope and belief that learning about the various ways that people are already creating new systems that are rooted in equity, sustainability, freedom, and love will give more people the confidence to move towards living indivisibly. So I want to give you all some background on how I got to this point, how I got to the point of creating and developing this theory of indivisibility. So back in about 2015, 2016, I was hosting another podcast called Race Haven, which was solutions-focused dialogue about race relations in America. And over time, I began to get the sense that there were uh, there were deeper issues at the root of systemic racism. I was also taking a course on systems thinking at that time, an online course uh, that I mentioned in the previous episode that was provided by Dr. Layla Akaragalu, And it was during that point that I learned how to uh, work with tools like the concentric circles diagram and cluster maps, etc. And While I was thinking about systemic racism in the context of systems thinking, I realized that every system started from another system. So I thought about, well, what is the larger system that's supporting racism and systemic racism? And I knew that you can't solve. I know that you can't solve a problem by only focusing on the symptoms. If you don't address it by the root, it'll continue to return. I'm sure many of you learned a lesson that I I learned as a kid, which is you can't kill a weed unless you pull it up by its roots. So I realized that as I studied the history of racism and systemic racism and systemic racism in America, and I coupled that with my systems thinking tools and resources and knowledge, I noticed the trends of systemic racism historically in America and how each time a symptom was addressed, it eventually came back in a different form. And I wondered why. So the different forms that we've seen uh, systemic racism evolve in America, for example, started with slavery or the enslavement of uh, African people in this country. Then, after slavery was abolished, then we had laws that went into effect called slave codes, and and then we and we had lynching and segregation and the whole everything that we had during the Jim Crow era. And then, when that was abolished uh, because of the Civil Rights Act, then the next Uh, system that popped up was the war on drugs and mass incarceration, which was primarily waged in low-income African-American communities. So time after time throughout the history of this country, we've seen systemic racism morph. And the reason why is because we never addressed it at the root. And so I remember driving along in in my car one day and I was thinking really deeply about I was literally visualizing a concentric circle diagram in my mind. And in my mind, I could see, okay, there's racism. And then racism was born out of systemic racism in America was born out of capitalism. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, what was capitalism born out of? So I'm driving along thinking about this. And eventually I had an aha moment and I said, power, it was power. And more specifically, power over ideals and social norms that were at the root and the birth of every form of oppression from systemic racism and beyond. Because after I made that connection, I began to see how power over and control ideals and norms were at the root of every other social ill where oppression is present as well. These realizations guided my research and inquiries, which led me to more and more evidence to back up my theory. I mean, it was like synchronicity in terms of how I began to how I began to like uncover other people who were in the world that were doing work in this space that I hadn't even known existed before. Because initially it literally was just me driving around, thinking about these things very deeply, researching, looking Trying to get a deep understanding. And once I uncovered the whole idea of power, power over, I then Googled it. And once I Googled it, it led me to some other things that eventually led me to some other things. And again, it just led me to various resources. And I began to, you know, write it all down and begin to work on this, on this project. And this brings me to a quote by Buckminster Fuller, where he says, You never change things by fighting against the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the old model obsolete. Buckminster Fuller is a world renowned systems theorist and architect, designer and inventor. And he has several quotes that systems thinkers use to support the ways that we think. And this is one of the more powerful ones. So I want to make a bold statement with that quote in mind. We will never end poverty, homelessness, crime, war, racism, sexism, animal cruelty, human trafficking, and any other societal ill that causes oppression for others by fighting against the existing systems using the tools provided to us by those systems. We have to create new systems that make the old systems obsolete. We have to pull the power over weeds up by their roots and plant new seeds. The seeds that I believe will bring about the healthy change that is most beneficial to the environment, humanity, and all living things are power with seeds. We need to create social systems rooted in power with dynamics like collaboration, agency, and consent. So one of my favorite resources that I stumbled upon during my exploration is the Context Institute website. The founder of Context Institute is Dr. Robert Gilman. He's a former astrophysicist turned sustainability activist. And he has a video presentation called What Time Is It? that provides context for how we arrived at this point in history with the social, economic, and political realities that we inherited. And he offers a very, very detailed explanation of where we are, where we're going, and why. And the best thing about this presentation in these videos is the, the charts and the graphs that he uses. And I'll share some of them in the show notes. So, one of them that I like to point out and talk about first is his outline of history. And he breaks the, his outline in history into three domains tribal, empire, and planetary. And on this diagram, he shows transitions from each uh, domain to the next and what caused those uh, transitions. The idea behind what he means by planetary era is that we as people will begin to see ourselves as all united as one planet. And we'll get away from away from the mindset of competition based on tribes or competing empires. And now competing cities, states, and countries. Take a moment to think about that for a second. Imagine if, you know, we all just viewed each other as one. We're all together as one planet. We got rid of all all the various, you know, categories and distinctions that separate us and divide us, and we began to honor. The thing that we have in common, which is we all inhabit the same planet and we start to make decisions and we live our lives in ways to sustain each other and the planet and start realizing that we're all in this together. Now, that's not to diminish culture. What I'm saying is we embrace the diversity and culture and the differences in culture based on where you live and how you were raised instead of how. The empire era has taught us to use those things as tools for division. So I want to take a moment to talk about where Dr. Gilman highlights how the transition, which is still in place, like he, he, he's very clear in stating that we're still transitioning out of the empire because there's still a lot of empire era, um, you know, systems, domains that still have a stronghold in society. But we are starting to see a, a shift. And we've been seeing it since, what he says, since fifteen, the year 1500, which is right around the Renaissance. And he said it's hard to really uh, fathom how little choice people had prior to that. And more people have more choices, um, like, the occup- like choosing their own occupation, their own place of employment, being able to choose and vote for political leaders, being able to choose your friends and associates, uh, being able to choose your marriage partners, where to live. Information sources, beliefs, just something as simple as being able to choose your own belief and your own goods and services. At the onset of the empire era, these were all things that were decided for you by the king and the rulers of the lands. And he states how there's been two, two responses to more choice. The first is, you know, the, the powerful aren't quick to give up power and control. It's always been resistance and in this current era and i guess in the last few decades it's been more of a shift towards more indirect covert and psychological methods of control versus the overt you know methods of the violence and the religion the violence you know and using religion as more and more people have had more choice and been able to just simply move away and you know, travel has in, in, impacted that. And he talks about all those various things in so much more great, te- greater detail than what I'm going into. It's so valuable. I hope some of you will take the time to watch it. So he he also notes that the Empire era is still strong in our minds. Going forward, there will be surprises. And he says that things may get worse. Uh, more, Actually, he says that things probably will get worse before they get better. But with our systems perspective. And as more people learn to see the big picture that he's very optimistic as well about what can happen in the future. And he also goes on to say that what we do in this era, this current transition, this current transition between the empire and planetary is going to be very important to fully usher us into the planetary era and away from the empire era. So what can we do? And more importantly, What are people already doing with this goal in mind? My theory of indivisibility is rooted in the belief that we need to move away from the power over and control dynamics embedded in all of our social systems and transition to power with dynamics rooted in collaboration, agency and consent. Next, I'm going to share with you my concentric circle diagram of power width and my power with cluster map. Now, for the sake of time, I won't elaborate, but I'll do that in future shows. So the concentric circle diagram has at the very top in the large outer circle is power with. Embedded in that is gender equality. Embedded in that is spirituality. Embedded in that is symbiotic relationship with land and embedded in that is consensual collaboration and shared resources in the show notes. I'm going to use, I'm going to put that circle diagram next to the power over circle diagram so that you can see how they can compare, how they compare. And I'm also going to include my power with cluster map. A few things that I have in my power with cluster map are sharing, sharing, Unconditional love, authentic dialogue, spirituality, tolerance, worker owned co ops, sustainability, trust, self directed education, symbiotic relationship with land and nature, egalitarianism, gender equality, consensual collaboration and shared resources, and empathy. So, just like the call to action in episode four, I want to offer you the opportunity to create your own power with Cluster Map and to share it in the Facebook group under episode five. So let's take a closer look at power with. For centuries during the empire era, the justification for power over social systems like authoritarian hierarchy based family, business, community, and governance systems, is that human beings need to be led by a strong leader. Otherwise society will be out of control and dysfunctional. However, since we've been transitioning into the planetary era, There have been several examples of power with family, business, and governance models to arise. One example is called sociocracy. Sociocracy is a governance model that involves all members in a group, no matter its size, having an equal voice in the decision-making process. Sociocracy is a process that ensures that everyone is heard, that everyone consents, and that no one objects to the decisions being made for the group. The decisions that are made are lean and agile, meaning that they only need to be safe enough to try. Those decisions are then implemented, tested, and iterated over time, which allows for the group to continually adapt their decisions as needed. This process is very in tune with the realities of an ever-evolving world, and sociocracy also eliminates the tyranny of the majority found in the democratic process. Several schools, companies, and families around the world use sociocracy principles. The Agile Learning Center Network, which I'm a part of, is one of them. Agile Learning Centers are an expanding network of intentional learning communities leveraging agile tools to support self-directed education. ALCs can be found all around the world on every continent except Australia. Sociocracy is one form of many rooted in consensus-based group decision-making. Another one that is very similar to sociocracy is holocracy and it is used by companies like Zappos and Medium. Another form is embedded in a concept called learning organizations. This term was coined thanks to the work of Peter Senge, who I've referenced several times already this season. In his 1990 release of the book, The Fifth Discipline, the MIT professor and leading business consultant ushered in the era of the learning organization. A learning organization is a company that facilitates the learning of its members and continuously transforms itself. In a true learning organization, communication is open and widespread. People at all levels are included in most communications, and it is assumed that everyone needs to be kept in the loop when it comes to important decisions that need to be made. Peter Senge stated in an interview, that a learning organization is a group of people working together collectively to enhance their capacities to create results they really care about. According to Senge, an organization has to implement five key elements to be considered a learning organization. They are systems thinking, personal mastery, mental models, team learning, and shared vision. Some examples of learning organizations include General Electric, Goldman Sachs, Pizza Hut, Honeywell, Microsoft, Johnson and Johnson, Apple, Toyota Motor Company, and USA Today. the apex of power within society is currently held by corporations and governments. Many, po- many people believe that it is up to leaders in these domains to relinquish power in order for there to be equity in society. With that in mind, a movement called The Economy for the Common Good, or ECG launched in Austria in 2010, with a comprehensive and coherent economic model calling for corporations and municipalities to make decisions that promote human rights, justice, and environmental sustainability. The ECG movement is aiding in this process in several ways. I'm going to read an excerpt from a Huffington Post article written in 2017 by the creator of the ECG, Christian Felber, to illustrate this. Begin quote, The centerpiece of the ECG model is the adjustment of success measurement at every level of the economy, bearing in mind the constitutional goal of supporting the common good. In the present system, economic success is measured in relation to means, a.k.a. money, and its accumulation. As monetary indicators, gross domestic product, financial profit, and return on investment provide a one-sided assessment of economic activity. They don't account for the economy's true purpose, the satisfaction of human needs, quality of life, and the fulfillment of fundamental values. In other words, promoting common good. Their solution to this problem is the common good balance sheet, which measures how firms fulfill key constitutional values that serve the common good. These include human dignity, solidarity, justice, ecological sustainability, and democracy. Since 2010, it has spread to almost 50 countries and gained the support of 2,200 companies and 200 local chapters that work with businesses, governments, universities, and civil society. So far, 400 European businesses have started using the common good balance sheet, and a number of towns in Spain, Italy, and Austria have also decided to become common good municipalities with the support of regional parliaments. Balance sheet results are examined by external auditors. Each one can reach a maximum of 1,000 points. The average at this point is around 300. If all companies score 1,000 points, we'd have no poverty and unemployment anymore. An excellent environment, gender justice, peace, and a well-working democracy. End quote. In episode four, we discussed the current complexities of power over and control dynamics in the following social systems, food, parenting, debate, and marriage. Each of these areas will probably get a full show of their own at some point, but let's briefly discuss some examples how people are engaging with these elements from a power with context. Food, growing your own food, community gardens, community owned food co-ops and supporting local farmers and farmers markets. Some examples with parenting include concepts like partnership parenting, using mistakes as an opportunity to teach instead of punishing, modeling getting respect by giving your children respect, modeling helping your children set boundaries by respecting their boundaries. Next is debate. And an alternative to debate as a communications framework is authentic dialogue. Authentic dialogue is a communication framework that involves listening and speaking in an effort to find common ground, broaden perspectives, create mutual understanding, and work together to create solutions that all parties involved can feel good about. And finally, there's marriage. Some examples of power with marriage ideals include equality in decision-making, both spouses working, stay-at-home dads, gay marriage being legalized and ethical non-monogamy. So I've provided you with several examples of how power with dynamics are being implemented in families, companies, and governments. We have a long way to go to make the full transition to the planetary era, and for my theory of indivisibility to be realized by the masses. But I hope that you realize a little bit more now that the process has long been underway. For the remainder of season one, we will continue our exploration of how we can be intentional about moving away from empire-era social systems rooted in power over and control, with the first one being patriarchy. Next time on Theory of Indivisibility. Theory of Indivisibility is written and produced by me. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and share it with friends on social media. It really helps a lot. For show notes and resources, please visit patreon.com forward slash indivisible. And while you're there, please consider becoming a patron of the show. It takes 20 to 30 hours of research, writing, producing, and editing to complete each show. My goal is to attract enough patron support for the show that I can quit my current primary source of income and have enough time to consistently release shows weekly and do more work that helps to create social systems rooted in equity, sustainability, freedom, and love. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I love y'all. Peace. Open your Visionary mind frame. Vision, Got me open and dance. I pause for a second.
1: Listen to the words that I spit. So can you feel it? Lose focus and so you start to see the vibration. Hitting every nation. Check your foundation. A matter of energy. Got me circling for the world around me. Stand strong. Holding the position. I'll be long Finish Clearing the past. And then you move on. To a new way to go. You're in the flow. The running so fast, but will I slow down the wheels and the bus go round around Sitting thinking how I'm living what the longer now I'm coming to a point where I'm bridging the gap of record Living with the interpersonal ethic emerging to another level with my culture Open your mind, vision, no time, open your mind in this. New vision, no time, open your mind in this, new vision, no time, open your mind in this, new vision, no time, open your mind in this.
0: theme song new vision is performed by achilles the cosmonaut find more from achilles the cosmonaut on your favorite music streaming app